effort of Sunshine State. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You've been waiting for him, asking for him. Now he's here. Who are you? My name is Bond. James Bond. He's back in a new Bond spectacular. Kill him! Welcome to Hell, Blofeld. Good evening. And we're back to what great movies are all about. Hey, what the hell is this? Hey, listen, you can't do this to me. I've got friends in this town. Outrageous, fun-making thrills. I didn't know there was a pool down there. He's back. The character who runs rings around his enemies in Diamonds Are Forever. 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 And they're back. Some rare facets of female bondage. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I don't dress for the hired help. Starring Jill St. John, Charles Gray, and he's back as Blofeld, 007 style. Good evening, 007. From the Diamond Territory of South Africa. Curious. How everyone who touches those diamonds seems to die. The canals of Amsterdam. To the gaming halls of Las Vegas. Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. To the rocket sites of Nevada. Sean Connery. Alias James Bond 007 is back in action.
you traffic report. There's a six. Oh. What is it, Scooby? Can't you see I'm broadcasting here? Pile up on the tri level, got you backed up all the way to the off ramp. So, if you're traveling this morning, try to give yourself an extra day or two, folks. <laughs> Hang on, folks. I've just been handed this important bulletin. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our regularly scheduled program to bring you this special report. Like live as it happens. Hey, I'm Christy Lee from All Girls Garage and Barrett Jackson on Velocity, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, and where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, go to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive edition, or the history edition, or the... NostalgicRadioandCars.com really has everything you need to listen to the show. Hey, good evening, Bobby. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about uh, you? Are you uh, in the uh, driver's seat this evening? I am driving a driving a radio station tonight. They you, might say. You know how to drive a radio station? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, occasionally. Uh, all right. Well, we got an exciting show for you tonight. Now, ordinarily, ordinarily on a day like this, we would be in Las Vegas at SEMA. However, due to the uh, COVID stuff. Uh, SEMA is doing a special, um, and SEMA, by the way, is B2B, business to business, okay, for all of us in the automobile industry. SEMA is doing a special series and digital version, um, and it's called SEMA 360. So we have tonight a very special guest coming on the show, and he's a gentleman that is the MC for SEMA. He's also the host of SEMA 360. So if you're in the car business, you can actually go to SEMA 360, and you can Google, and you can log in and, and, and find out all what's going on. So it's basically a digital version of it. So And we're going to hear a lot more about it, because I think it's really cool. It's a very good interview, yes. Okay, so it's going to be a very good interview. Anyway, Bobby, how are we doing on time? Hey, let's let's hear it. Let's find out. Uh, let's play a little Outlaws first. Yeah, play a little Outlaws with little Henry Paul. He was our guest on our show last week, and then, of course, we play the James Bond uh, trailer to uh, Diamonds Are Forever, which was one of my favorite James Bond movies, besides Goldfinger, because they had featured a 1971 429 Cobra Jet Mach 1. In the meantime, everybody stay tuned to Nostalgic Region Cars. Don't touch dial. Here's a little Outlaws. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a SEMA regular. If you've ever gone to SEMA, which I tell you guys to go to every year because it uh, needs to be on your bucket list. This gentleman is the MC for SEMA. He's also the SEMA 360 host this week and the owner of V8 Speed and Restoration out of Illinois. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Kevin Ostie. Kevin, how you doing? I am doing great, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. I almost got it right, didn't I? Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about SEMA and SEMA 360. Ordinarily, we'd all be in Las Vegas this time of year. And uh, unfortunately, due to the uh, the COVID thing, we are all on a video format these days, correct? Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a shame because that event um, is something that is very meaningful to people as well as businesses. You know, it's, it's definitely a trade show. Um, many people who are just getting exposed to the SEMA show or people that are car enthusiasts and maybe not working in the industry, they look at it as a car show. And it's funny because it's not really a car show. Um, it's really all about uh, manufacturers that are presenting their latest you know, race products, speed products, appearance products, whatever. And they try to connect with uh, uh, buyers, then retail products to the consumers so it's a, a long chain of events that happen uh with meetings and it relies heavily on relationships so year after year uh this would be my 24th year in a row 
you you have this family reunion of your industry uh, at the SEMA show, and to to not have that uh, really kind of lets the air out of you because the environment, as you know, is is very action packed. It's very positive, and it uh, it feels good to be there. You know, it's a place where your passion is first. Uh, we always joke about how if you went to a national global trade show for people who made dental equipment, you know, do they have the same kind of fun that we have at the SEMA show of our cars? I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> but when they canceled the show, you know, everybody knew the reasons why and that you couldn't really fight it. And everybody also kind of knew that you can't just click on a screen and recapture that energy and that good feeling and that production level of seeing people in person and making deals and, and plans and all the rest of it. And, and there's a thing that I mention uh, uh, often. I, I call it a SEMA moment. And, and hopefully, if you go to the show, you have more than one. But there's always at least one. And it's, you know, maybe you're walking through the hallway from a hotel to the convention center or, or maybe you're talking to somebody at a trade show display or at a custom car and you talk to somebody completely unexpected or meet somebody that you don't know and the result of that conversation ends up changing your life somehow. It becomes an opportunity to, you know, carry a product in your, in your retail outlet or it's a connection with somebody that, you know, maybe your shop is building a car and you needed an answer from somebody that made a certain product and all of a sudden they just appear there and you can get that. And, and how, do you, how do you have SEMA moments online? So the, the SEMA 360 concept is really trying to capture some of the core DNA elements that make the show so compelling and, and present them in a way that it's useful and valuable and not just a wall of Zoom screens for a week, you know, because frankly, that would suck. So um, I think we're today today we are uh, Tuesday, so we're in day two of the SEMA 360 experience, and I think people are starting to kind of get the handle of the interface of how to use SEMA 360 portal. Um, and again, it's trade only, but I will love to share just a couple of insights about what I think is most valuable. And, and one of them is that uh, if you are in the industry and, say, for example, you're scrolling through the 2,200 new products that were just released on the 360 platform, and you see something really interesting, and again, maybe you're a retailer, maybe you're a shop like us, and you're going to incorporate this new gauge into you know, your latest build, 360 lets you click and connect right away with the people that you need to talk to. So oftentimes manufacturers will have five or six different people available. They might have a sales guy, they might have a marketing person, they might have you know a general manager. You just kind of pick which one you think might be the right connection and then boom, you get connected back and, and you're linked right there. So my example is later this week, um, we're gonna be producing a, uh, a video on our VA TV channel of cool new products that we saw at SEMA, but it's SEMA 360. And there's uh, several companies we're going to feature that I've already had business relationships and friendships with, but there's a few that I didn't. And uh, one in particular was uh, a gauge manufacturer, like I was mentioning. And this allowed me to get right to the right person who, you know, I told them we're going to be producing a video on, uh, I would like to feature your gauges. Do you guys have any better pictures or more information? And, and my inbox got flooded, and he called me, and we started chatting. And next thing you know, we're setting up retail agreements in our shop to be a dealer for these guys just out of that. So that's pretty cool. Let me ask you this. Um, now, this, how did the whole 360, because when, if I recall correctly, earlier in the year, there wasn't no mention. We weren't. Nobody really knew for sure whether it was going to get uh, canceled or not. You know, because a lot of the stuff only in the early part of the year got canceled. A lot of the other shows in the fall were still on schedule. And then it was here sometime during the summers when they decided to change this. How long did it take them? And I don't know if you can answer this or not. But how long did it take them to go from the point A to point B to even come up with the three hundred and sixty concept? Which is pretty fascinating well, if you look at it. I mean, you guys, the website's great. And again, it's B to B. And I've had some of my customers ask me, well, can they somehow access this? And I said, I'm not 100% sure. Normally, it's, you know, it's business to business only, but uh, I don't know. I'll find out. 
Right, right. Well, uh, to answer that question real fast, always one of the goals of the SEMA show is to provide a, a connection between the media and the manufacturers, and the media then take it to the enthusiasts and users. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to build in that ability for the person that you talk to. You know, how, how, if I'm just a regular guy building a 69 Chevelle in my garage and I want to learn about the latest stuff, how do I get it? And this is one of the reasons why the SEMA 360 platform contains all of these new product um, features, if you will, that contain a description, some photos, and uh, uh, some contact info, and, and maybe pricing. And the media was all invited to participate in 360. So what I think they're starting to figure out is making the connection of saying, oh, I'm looking at this great new wheel. I can save that image and I can copy that text because it's already been released and I can create a social post or a magazine story or in my case a video and I can disseminate that information to the public. So the media guys are starting to figure out how to use that machine. But I really believe once they figure it out that this is going to be a faster way to disseminate the information than the actual SEMA show. Because you didn't have to wait in line to get a good product shot. It's already provided. You didn't have to wait in line to talk to somebody about the product. It's the info's there. And like I said before, you can instantly connect with the manufacturer. The downside is, yeah, it might be the same picture that everybody else gets uh, because it's the one that they released. But if you're smart, you can ask for different or special photography. And you can really personalize your media presentation. So that's the way the stuff's going to get out. And then, of course, include a link to the website, which probably has some of the information as well. Correct, yeah. And and a lot of times, the, the media outlets, again, if they're going to be posting on social or their own website, that link might actually go to a, a retail establishment somewhere. It might be an Amazon link or, or a, you know, Summit Racing or, you know, whoever. So mm-hmm. you can really, it would take you, a full day of gathering those products, finding them, walking the 27 miles, you know, of, of hallways to accumulate all that stuff per day and then stay up all night trying to categorize it and, and author all that stuff. So in this case, you know, this is a home run. Now, as far as when the trigger got pulled to officially go uh, digital, it's hard to say the exact date. I'm not in the uh, inner circle of the decision making there. I know they held out as long as they possibly could to have uh, a, a show in reality as opposed to one that was virtual. Because everybody appreciates that you cannot recreate those moments that I mentioned earlier. So that was good and bad. You know, it was good because they tried. They tried so hard to work with Las Vegas. They're watching those COVID percentage numbers and, and really tracking the stuff and keeping their fingers crossed that if that safety threshold level drop within a certain percentage, they could have the event. But eventually, the city of Las Vegas, the state of Nevada said, no, you can't. So it's my understanding that the architecture that SEMA 360 runs on is a, uh, a pre-existing platform in a bare-bones state. So they went to a, a professional group that does this, and then customize the platform for your particular event. We'll call it an event. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it, it, it could be up all year, you know, it, it just depends on, you know, the financial metrics of all that, because you got to consider SEMA didn't make any of the money on any of the advertising, any of the booth space, you know, any of the other ancillary things this year because the show didn't happen. So this this was out of pocket for them to uh, to launch this. And there is some advertising on the SEMA 360 platform. I don't think it was enough to uh, to cover the tab. Um, but perhaps this is just, you know, year one. Uh, maybe this happens again, because I, I would like this opportunity in conjunction with the real show. Uh, because I could spend half an hour, 45 minutes in the morning making digital connections with people that I saw on the show floor and getting those pictures and info. And, and that would be the super home run. Well, you know what else? I mean, and I was just thinking... Correct. This is B2B. And then if I remember correctly, on Friday afternoons, like around 12 or 1 o'clock, they used to open it up to the public. They just started doing that in the last couple of years. But if there was a way 
to because I think what it does is it spawns more interest. Okay, so if if you did the, the 360 and the average Joe, and I'm just thinking out loud, just thinking out loud, he was able to experience SEMA 360. The, these people might be able to reach out to people that are in the industry and then just get more support because I'm still overwhelmed by the amount of people that are aware of SEMA as well as the people that are unaware of SEMA, but yet the people that are aware of SEMA that have never been there. And we talk about, we have a local company here. It's called Forte's Classic Garage. Real good friends of mine, father, son team, two boys, dad. Uh, the dad and I go back 30, 40 years. We, we're both in the Shelby Mustangs. He still has his. I still have mine. And they build some really cool custom cars. In fact, I do appraisals from time to time. And one of the cars that they're doing right now, besides the 67 Shelby's, they're doing a Pro Touring 69 Mustang, or excuse me, Camaro. And I said that this car is almost SEMA quality. You need to be, be more familiar, be involved with SEMA, because there are basically vendors there where you might be able to have your car displayed with their particular product on it. And that's what people overlook that. And be in one of their booths, which will get you exposure, notoriety, as well as experience SEMA, and as, as well as broadening the network, so to speak. I mean, that's just me thinking out loud. I mean, your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's uh, several valid points in your statement. I mean, obviously, from a, a manufacturer standpoint, you want to reach as many people as possible. I know at the in-person show, letting the general public in changes the tone because, you know, the first time you walk into that show, you're blown away. It's, yes. it's too much to... <laughs> well, a friend of mine said it best. He, he walked into the main hall and he said, I need more eyes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do. That is true. That is true. That is true. It is overwhelming. And if you approach that show as a car show, um, you are looking at the cars and you're maybe looking for posters and you're looking for uh, collateral material and T-shirts and hats and stuff as if you would at a, you know, uh, like the Muscle Car Corvette Nationals, for example, where it's, it's all about the, the cars that are on display. The downside of that is those activities take time away from the exhibitors who are trying to get their business done. And if they can't get the business done, they won't be able to develop the products and the cars won't be there. No, no, so, I'm, I meant strictly from the 360 digital sure, aspect sure. of it. You know, I mean, I know they do that on, a, like, say, Friday afternoon, they let some people in there and stuff. But I, and, and I think it needs to remain B2B, just like you said, because then that keeps it professional and lets the serious people in there to do the serious business, to be, access the product, product information, so that he can use those products out in the real world, sell them, and so on. And, yeah, I, I, we're on the same well, page there. To your point about 360, you know, maybe there's a concept of SEMA 180. Okay, there you, you know, go. That isn't, uh, isn't the full shebang with all of the business education seminars and the, you know, training, but it focuses more on the products. And the SEMA 360 is turning out to be one amazing online car show because there's over 330 feature vehicles online that you can check out photos and watch videos and read about the parts that have been used on and meet the builders. So, you know, SEMA is still a car show, even though I said it's more of a business show. The, the cars are definitely the stars. So um, the challenge becomes some of the information doesn't cross over to the general public so earlier when i was saying you could click the button and get the direct hotline to the president of company x that's information you generally don't want out right. there uh but maybe on a different level maybe at sema 180 you know there you, <laughs> you go no have, here's our pr contact and and here are products that are currently available because a lot of the stuff you see is not yet available mm -hmm. and you don't want to be fielding a whole bunch of calls of where can i get this this latest four-wheel drive accessory when it's not even going to be out for six months. So there's those considerations. But I think it would be great to well, have general public access to a degree. But I agree with you 100%. When you mentioned camaraderie, when you when you mentioned family reunion, uh, I know I was standing someplace at SEMA a couple of years ago, and somebody asked me. I was just involved in a little interview with somebody. And that was exactly what I said. I said, this is like a family reunion. I mean, most of your major events that you do go to is kind of like a following 
But SEMA truly is. I mean, there's a camaraderie. There's a family spirit there. Cammie Edelbrock and I go way back. I see her there every year. I see, uh, you know, Steve Strope's a good friend of mine. I see Steve every year. You know, the uh, uh, I, the names are endless. But and, but the people that you meet there, you know, I mean, I met Bobby Alloway there for the first time. He had a really cool Porsche there a couple of years ago. Uh, Art yeah. Morrison, we had him on the show. I met him there a few years ago. The guys from Holly. Uh, just the, the, the names and the people are endless. You know, Billy Gibbons, people like that. And uh, so, but but it's 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 the people as well as the cars and the products. I mean, it's just it's it's the total package. I can't explain it. I mean, you you go there every year. I go there every year, and and every year I'm I'm equally as amazed. I, I mean, I, I I get giddy knowing that I'm going to go there and I'm going to be there because once you're there, it's like wow, it's 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 incredible show. Yeah. Well, it's it's fuel for the soul. Yes, you know. Because all those things you talked about happen, but everybody there is on the same page. You're all there because you're passionate about cars, trucks, things with wheels, you know, whatever it is. And everybody's positive, you know, because they're all bringing out new things. Most people have prepared for months to get there, either the hottest, you know, custom car or a giant new trade show display. So you got that relief that the show is finally on. And, and then to see the people, it just fuels all that stuff that we thrive on. And then when you leave, you've got this kind of release. And, and in my case, I, uh, I live in the Midwest, in, in the southern part of Illinois, where it's, I always joke, I leave to go to SEMA in the fall, and I come back and it looks like winter. So <laughs> skies are gray, all the leaves are down, and it's like, oh, man, Really? But without that big last charge, um, I wouldn't have the the good winter experience because I'd be uh, I'd be too bummed out. So there's definitely a psychological aspect of what not having that show uh, is doing to people. Well, the other thing too, as you mentioned, and we've had John Warnack on our show. D- uh, Doug Evans has been on my show. Yep. Corky Coker. These are people that were all been involved with SEMA, you know, on the on the board side, so to speak. But also. The educational things, you spoke about this for a few minutes, the seminars. I truly enjoy the seminars. I mean, there's people there talking about builders, people talking about marketing, people are talking about a specific product, the hot rod uh, uh, seminar that they have, you know, the, with the builders and stuff. Those are really, truly inspiring and educational and fun events. I mean, and that's part of the show. That's all part of SEMA. So it's, and then the build-offs. It's not just we're selling a product. It's the total package. And, and that's why I think SEMA is just such an amazing event. It is, and and to keep the perspective, you know, SEMA is an association. Mm-hmm. They don't really make a product, yes. and they don't, you know, they don't sell stuff. Uh, they've created events, and the SEMA show is not what SEMA does all year. You know, it's just it's the biggest event of the organization. But the organization, plain and simple, is there to help automotive businesses survive and thrive and grow. So the educational seminars and uh, the training sessions stuff that you can do at the show are great um, on several levels. Yes, the, the content is, you know, can be very beneficial. Meeting the presenter can be very beneficial. There's a chance to start a relationship there. And then meeting the other people in the room that you're experiencing that, that seminar with, because uh, you might find competitors or uh, other people that you might do business with all by sharing that experience. So, there's so many things that you can't really put your thumb on, you know, about what the most important element of, of SEMA is. But uh, it, it really gives you, you know, the more you put into it and the more time you take to absorb what's going on and offer your time and, and be involved, it pays off tremendous dividends. You mentioned earlier about, you know, the other things that SEMA does. SEMA's, I don't want to call them lobbyists, but basically they do. They go out and lobby for the automobile industry. There was one about the the uh, um, licensing of, of, of uh, aftermarket, or, you know, I think if I remember correctly, um, home-built vehicles, you know, custom-built cars and stuff like that. There was a, a sure. thing about that. The RPM Act was another one. Yeah, and then the attorney for um, for SEMA, who lives in Florida, by the way, and I can't remember his name right now, it escapes me, but he was on our show a few years ago, and we talked a little bit about that, some of the programs, some of the stuff that goes on that, uh, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that SEMA, that the SEMA organization does, 
that uh, basically supports our industry in general as a whole. And and that's why it's just, you know, like you said, it's just a total package. Everything that SEMA does and everything that SEMA stands for. And it's a great organization to be a member of. It is. And the interesting thing is you to go to the show, you have to be in the automotive industry, but you don't have to be a member of SEMA. Um, they recruit people to be members, and, and I strongly suggest everybody uh, join, because if you join, you can be part of a, a council or a committee that maybe represents your particular niche in the industry. So maybe it's the, the wheel and tire industry or the, the off-road guys or the hot rod industry alliance or you know the, the restoration uh, alliance, so that you can connect and help when things come up legally that might negatively affect you. And a great example of that is the state of California always seems to be trying to put a mute button mm. on performance exhaust systems. You know, mm-hmm. over and over again, legislation comes up to try to make sure that every car is silent. And, you know, everything's got its place, but I'm not about the government restricting my freedom to modify the vehicle to to get better performance or whatever and definitely not to restrict my freedom to sell those products and especially when the exhaust companies are already tasked following the emissions laws and and safety and all the rest so they got to jump that hurdle which i'm totally down for i mean you know we do need our, our regulations where we need them but when they start to get a little bit on the fringe and it's a battle that one manufacturer can't fight on their own. That's when SEMA comes together and, and brings the collective uh, uh, strength of the organization to help change some of those radical laws that they try to propose. Well, I'm thankful for SEMA. I know a whole bunch of other guys are, too. So, uh, And I know you are, because you're in the industry as well. So speaking of which, let's segue into what uh, V8 Speed and Restoration does. Wow, sure. Um, we run a three-ring circus, the best way. <laughs> the best okay. way. So we, uh, we produce video and television. Uh, our half-hour show is called V8TV. Uh, it's still airing on over-the-air channels, and uh, we're getting ready to send some new episodes out pretty soon. Of course, everything's on YouTube, too. You just go to our V8TV channel. And the content for our show comes right from our shop. So we have... Uh, Four buildings with 19 people on staff. I think we've got 42 cars in the shop right now uh, from six different countries where we are doing everything from stock restorations to, you know, concours, pro touring cars, custom stuff, trucks, uh, a lot of late model engine swaps into muscle cars. Uh, You name it, basically, we can do it here. The only thing we don't do in-house is engine machine work. But we do all of our own interior work, our metal fabrication, body paint, mechanical assembly, chassis, uh, EFI tuning. And, you know, again, back to SEMA. A lot of our team attends that show every year, and, and so our guys are factory-trained Holly tuners and <clears throat> factory-trained with HP tuners and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, we're fortunate that um, people began to watch our show, and they would call up and they'd say, hey, I want you to build me a car. So over the years, uh, we've been in business uh, about 17 years now, and uh, we've been going strong through the the COVID scenario. In fact, an interesting stat is uh, in all this time, we've never had to lay somebody off for lack of work. We are so fortunate that people see what we do through the videos all over the world, and they're comfortable with the way we do it, and they like the work, and they contact us, and they'll ship us cars, you know, from anywhere, and we'll do the work and ship them back out. And it's a, it's just a never ending process. So it has kind of a circus feel in many ways. Uh, we also produce a V8 radio podcast, which you can find at uh, v8radio.com, which is kind of what you and I are doing right now. Car guys just kind of chatting. Uh-huh. And then uh, we do another show called muscle car of the week, which you'll find at musclecaroftheweek.com, which is a series of features of very high end muscle cars that, have primarily come from a collection, private collection called the Brothers Collection, and we're talking Hemi Cuda convertibles, and uh, these guys own four of the eight produced '69 Trans Am convertibles. Oh wow! Uh, it's yeah, it, it's an amazing uh, collection. And uh, earlier I, mel- I mentioned that Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals show in Chicago, which is an indoor car show event, 
as it sounds, it's muscle cars and Corvettes, uh, creme of the creme type event. Well, that show got canceled this year, and I, we're normally there. I, uh, I do hosting duties, and we shoot video, the whole event. But nobody wanted to cancel the show, so kind of taking the nod from SEMA. Uh, we worked with uh, the organizers of the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals to create uh, a video presentation, which in the old days, we just called them TV shows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be producing about an hour and a half long uh, special, but it's going to be shot at the brand new, not yet open museum that houses the Brothers Collection where we've shot our Muscle Car of the Week show over the years. Oh, wow. And that museum has, the, the collection owners themselves have been big sponsors of the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals, and they've sent cars there every every, every year. So all the connections were already in place. Uh, it just took, uh, took me to suggest the opportunity, and thankfully everybody went for it. So this week, uh, every day in, in, in the afternoon, I'm shooting the daily preview of what's going to happen tomorrow on SEMA 360 and I'm doing that in our own shop and then uh, at the end of the week uh, fly out to the Pacific Northwest and spend all next week shooting that Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals event that we're kind of event that we're creating we're creating an event and uh, that will go live on November 21st at 7.30 p.m. Central so you'll be able to watch that so you ask what we do at the shop. We do everything for cars at the shop and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, since you've been in this business for so long and you're kind of a, a specialist and you got a restoration shop now, have you actually, yourself, your team, put together a car that's uh, um, been displayed at SEMA? Um, yeah, 10, I think. 10 of them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. We've had it played in the Magnaflow booth, um, Rocket Racing Wheels, uh, comp cams was a great one. We actually restored the 40th anniversary 69 Camaro that's owned by comp cams. Uh, we built that car for those guys. Uh, we did a Camaro for Royal Purple Synthetic Oil. Uh, we did, uh, uh, we've had a car featured in Classic Industries and uh, Toyo Tires, um, kind of all around. So, yeah. We, so I, I, I thoroughly know and respect those who do the SEMA thrash to get the car built. <laughs> So t take us through the process. What exactly is involved? Because for my listeners now, you know, they, because we talk, I talk about this on the show every once in a while. I've even said it's some of the guys locally that do some, and there are a few. This is the thing that amazed me about SEMA the last couple of years that I've been there, is the amount of guys under 30 years of age that come up with some really cool, innovative stuff. Now, you know, Steve Strobe, Troy, Chip, people like that, Dave Kendig, everybody knows these guys. But there's these guys that are, nobody's ever heard of them, but they have unbelievable talent. And every once in a while, you bump it, just like you're talking about, those, that guy that changes your life. You meet somebody, and you just and you see a car there, and you go, wow. And then you meet this guy that's so obscure, and he builds this unbelievable car, and he's like, he can't believe it. He's got to pinch himself. My car's here sure, at SEMA. Yeah. Unbelievable. So... Take us through the process. If, if you were getting ready to do your car, how do you go about doing that? And to what level? Well, you hit another really interesting point that needs to be talked about, and that is that we need to energize the next generations of mm -hmm. this hobby. So SEMA put a lot of effort into the um, Battle of the Builders program and the Young Guns program, which targets the younger builders and, and gives them an opportunity in a place where they can take a car that they've built and sign up to be part of that competition. And last year, before the COVID thing, they put together a really nice network where you could sign up at a handful of local events all over the country, and SEMA would send uh, judges out, and the local car show people would work with them, and you'd have local winners. And then the local winners would get funneled into a big pool to find the nationals that were going to go to the show. So that was, that's one way. Um, but another way to get a car uh, to be on display at the SEMA show is the first thing you have to do is deliver on your promise. And, and that's the biggest challenge because we've all seen it a million times. A guy comes up with a rendering or a drawing and he says, yeah, I'm building this great you know, Ford Bronco and it's going to have this motor and these wheels and this color. And you just kind of look at him and say, well, it's a cool, cool truck, but where is it? Oh, I don't have it yet. Or it's... It's in a million pieces. And the tough part is 
getting one finished without additional support. But if you don't have anything, you're kind of blended in with everybody else that has a dream, but not a, not a thing. So if you have vehicles that you've already built, um, make sure you get great photography of them and, and let the manufacturers know that their parts are on that car. So even if it was something that's been done for two years and you're, you don't want that car, you know, we'll call it a Chevelle. You don't want your Chevelle to go to SEMA because you want to build the world's most ultimate uh, Corvair, you know, whatever. Go to the people that are on the Chevelle and let them know, hey, bare brakes. I used your brakes on my Chevelle. I just wanted you to know that the car got finished, that they're displayed in a way that makes you guys look great. They fit the market segment. And in the future, if I build another car, um, can we talk about maybe you helping us with a place to display it at the SEMA show? Because most trade show displays not only have uh, the opportunity, if they're big enough, to host a car on site, but they might have an access pass to be able to have another car maybe out in front or in a different lot or in a hallway somewhere. Uh, Those they just call general feature vehicles. And if you start these uh, relationships with manufacturers and just keep them in the loop and just let them know that, hey, this is my next car. And and I was working with uh, Magnuson Superchargers and I worked with ARP Hardware and I've, you know, I worked with Forge Line Wheels and this is what I came up with. And I just wanted you to know that this is what I like to do. What you're doing is legitimizing yourself. You're not just speaking fantasy land. You're, you're telling them we know how to do this and we get it done. And when the time comes that you've got an idea that it could be a SEMA car, uh, you know, candidate, you go back to all those companies and say, hey, remember me? I'm the guy that built this car and I was just sending you the postcards. Well, I got a new one. And, and maybe you can help me out getting it through the door. Uh, because that's really the main way to get through the door is using a manufacturer's uh, uh, space opportunity because they're looking for top-notch cars to show off their parts, you know. And it's funny as you talk about it, you're mentioning from the standpoint of how it's every builder's dream to have a car at SEMA. Well, I know manufacturers who end up in a pinch and they're like, look, we're three weeks out and I don't have a car because two of them fell through. The guy didn't get it done. It's still at the paint shop, whatever. So they need to have a little library of builders or cars that they know that they can say, hey, you know what? Dave Johnson in you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota has been sending me photos and, and stuff. We've been talking to him for years. Maybe he's got one. And, and then you, you know, network yourself to get in. And, and the one thing you'll notice I didn't say is you're not hitting them up for free product and you're not asking for sponsorships. And today, because of social media and, and Instagram, and everybody thinks that if they take a picture of their car, they're all of a sudden entitled to some sponsorship because they have some people that saw it. And that's not what a sponsorship is. A sponsorship is a way for a manufacturer to sell more product and pay you either through parts or, or money because whatever you're doing is selling them more product. You are technically a salesperson for that company. So if you don't carry yourself in a professional manner, if you are not bringing your car to to A-list events, if you're not doing top quality work, and and if you're not portraying the company in a positive light, not being a good salesperson, you're not entitled to the sponsorship. You're not entitled to free parts because you're going to get the free stuff and the manufacturer gets nothing. But if you start the opposite way and say, I want to share with you what I've done uh, and maybe someday we can work together, that's, that's how it comes around. That's the best advice, and I'm glad you said that, because after this show, I'm going to send out a whole ton of emails to all these people that I know and say, you need to listen to the show, because we had the spokesperson, the SEMA MC on our show, and you could hear it through his words of wisdom on how you need to go about doing it. Do the car first. Get the car exposed. In fact, Rick Schmidt at uh, National Parts Depot is a real good friend of mine, and uh, Rick and I were talking because I said something to him a long time ago, you know, about uh, we wanted we wanted to build, and I still haven't done it yet, but I have it. I have an old vintage 66 Mustang, and we were going to build a complete original resto 
66 Mustang, 65 Mustang Gasser. Now, the, the interesting thing about this car is this car was butchered back in the day. It is 100% period correct. I have 100% period correct panels for the car, interior, all kinds of parts for that car that make this car all genuine period correct. But I wanted to use some new components on the car, and I wanted to display it. So we got to talk a little bit about you know Mustang parts because I specialize in Mustangs, and I said something to him about it. He says, well, what you really need to do first, Robert, is build the car and then get the car get the car to have some exposure. Once the car gets some exposure, then send it to people like me at National Parts Depot because I specialize in Mustang. I'll do a little PR for the car, get the car to some other major events around the country a little bit, or at least the southeast part of the United States where we're at because we're based out of Florida, and you'll never know where it'll go from there. So that con- what, what I'm telling you is what Rick told me, which concurs exactly with what you're saying. Well, I'm glad um, because this is many years of going through this industry and seeing things, and it, you know, it, it transcends in other industries too. Another one that's tough to break into is television. And people come to producers all the time and say, I've got this great idea for a movie or a film or a TV show. But they've never made anything. They don't understand the process. And they, they can't bring something to the table outside of an idea. And if you don't have skin in the game, you're not a valid contender. Now, if you come and say, look, I've shot these 25 videos. I've taken them to film festivals. I've won these awards. Um, and now I want to do something bigger. Then they go, oh. Yeah, right on. This is this is for real. And it's the same in the car world. So I'm glad that those thoughts echoed his because uh, those guys are really on top of their game at National Parts Depot. We buy from them a lot. Um, let me ask you this, too. Let's talk a little bit about uh, getting the next generation because I touched on, you know, these kids who are 30 years old with that have some of these kids just have amazing talent. I mean, it just surprises me. But we've got McFerguson, uh, McPherson College out there. Now, um, unfortunately, Jesse's no longer with us, but I know Jesse went there. And uh, we had her on the show a few years ago. and um, But there's a lot of colleges out there. Or maybe she went to Wyotech. I think that's Wyotech. She went to Wyotech, yeah. right. So you got Wyotech out there. you got McPherson out there. What other schools are out there? If somebody really wants to get into this, because they don't teach this vocation in school anymore. And I think it should be. In fact, the very first video you had, the opening segment for uh, uh, SEMA 360, was with Mike Rowe. And, and Tanner Faust. Tanner's been on our show. Mike, which is still trying to get on our show. And, uh, and, and, and he's a huge proponent of vocation. And you see these guys out there that are, um, you know, uh, let's just say carpenters, plumbers, uh, electricians. These guys are making a good living. They're not, they're not consumed with the idea, I have to have a college degree. These guys understand that there's trades out there that pay well, do, do well, and, if you're, and, and, and you can be enthusiastic. And then that trade that you have right there, let's say plumber, electrician, uh, carpenter, whatever, that can actually transcend into the automotive industry as your hobby and then eventually you know, evolve into something bigger and better. And, but it's the same thing with the school thing. So we need to, if, if there's no vocation, no automotive, no electronics, no uh, carpentry or shop or whatever in, in schools, what other colleges out there besides those two that I mentioned are out there that people can find out more about and uh, possibly attend? Um, there are quite a few. Um, I know locally there's a privately owned school called Rankin Tech, and they offer programs in uh, uh, HVAC and in uh, carpentry and, and building, construction, uh, also IT. And then they have a collision refinish program, uh, auto mechanics, and they also have a subset that is uh, restoration, which is pretty cool. Mm. And they, uh, being a privately held school, they don't have to answer to shareholders, which tend to sometimes dictate the curriculum, you know, about mm-hmm. what, what's popular. Um, so I, I don't think there's a problem with the schools. I think I think we're starting to turn it around a little bit. You know, maybe seven, eight, ten years ago, a blue collar was a bad word. You know, all these parents ta- taught their kids to be managers, white collar workers, push a pencil, work smarter, not harder. And what we found is this sort of shaming of people that actually use their hands for a living, you know, and, and, but recently I think we've been seeing a shift to where there, you know, Mike Rowe, you mentioned part of the, his, his philosophy is don't do your dream job, do any job that you can get. And it might turn into satisfying your dream. Because somebody who uh, cleans a sewer for a living, it sounds terrible, but the actual process might be very gratifying and very rewarding when you consider how important that job really is. Um, 
And you're right. The trades will never not be in demand. Um, these people have job security forever. I know trying to have some work done on our facility during the COVID time, we were delayed for months just because everybody was so busy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, um, I would say, jump online. Um, the SEMA website does have educational resources and scholarship opportunities available for students that are looking to get involved. Um, and they've got lists of schools that, you know, you could find that are close to you. Um, but now I think uh, getting the, that, 30 and younger and 20 and younger and even little kids involved. Um, Chris Kirsting, who's the CEO of SEMA a couple years ago, made a comment during the SEMA banquet where he said, we all had that singular experience. Either it was going fast for the first time in a car or, or climbing a rock pile in a Jeep or whatever it was, that sense of motion that changed our lives. It, it made us, it hooked us. It was exciting, made us feel good. And at that young age, that leaves a mark. And, and every time you do that activity, it tickles your reward center and it releases positive you know, chemicals in your body and you feel good about it. So the earlier you can get kids to experience stuff in the automotive arena, the better. And got to be careful because, you know, we mentioned car shows. Today, what do you see? You see, here's a a beautiful car, cars and coffee event, right? And you'll see a, a, a father walking with a young kid. And what do they do? They, they're, they're pulling the kid away from the car. and They're saying, don't touch that. And, you know, leave that alone. Well, that kid really had a bunch of negative experiences that day too. You know, and I'm not saying let the kid crawl over the car, but you got to manage those properly because now he's associating that shiny car with something that he's not supposed to touch that got his arm yanked away why would he gravitate to that? You know, he, he liked it, and then he, it, it, it got negated. So I think the more we can expose the youth to how cool it is to go fast and safely race and build something that actually runs using your own two hands, that, that, that has a built-in sense of gratification. Um, we just need the exposure. They need to have more experiences doing it. Uh, so if you, you know, I would suggest to anybody listening, you've got kids in the neighborhood and, and you're a gearhead, uh, you know, meet, meet the kid's parents and ask them, is it okay if I bring my 62 Galaxy over one Saturday and, you know, mom and dad and your two kids and myself can go around the block? You know, I'm not trying to be weird, you know, or, or a bad neighbor, but what I want to do is meet, meet my neighbors and, and, and I'll, I'll be known as the guy with the cool old car. And I'll answer the uh, questions of the kids and provide a positive experience that's centered around the family. And I'll tell you what, those kids will never, ever, ever forget it. And this is how you start to get them involved. Super. Well, Kevin, on that note, we're up against the clock. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. Go ahead and give out the information for SEMA 360 real quick for us. Sure. You can go to SEMA360.com. It's that simple. And if you're in the industry, you can sign up and, and go check it out. Sounds good. Hey, I want to thank my very special guest, Kevin Ostee from SEMA, SEMA MC, SEMA 360, and also the owner of V8 Speed Restoration. Kevin, I uh, will probably see you at some of the car shows in the future. In the meantime, again, I want to thank you very much for uh, hanging out with us here at Nostalgia Good Cars. Okay, again, listeners, that was a uh, great interview with our good friend there, Kevin Osti. And uh, in the meantime, I want to tell everybody to tune in every week, 7 8 p.m., 10 Talk Radio Network. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.